Welcome to Restoration Dialogues, where ideas and the felt experience of being human come together to support personal and collective healing, the restoration of ourselves and our society, with your hosts, John Earhart and Scott Brown. Welcome to Restoration Dialogues. This is John Earhart and Scott Brown. We're the co-founders of the Colorado Center for Restorative Practices, and we're here with Tom Daly. First, I want to ask you, Scott, what's alive for you? I'm uh, going through a lot right now in terms of getting ready to have my book published, planning a book tour, got a new website that I'm trying to promote, got a um, group of peacemakers that I'm facilitating once a month. And so after 10 years of training... It feels like I'm kind of launching myself out into the world as a peacemaker. And a big part of that is asking for support along the way. And it's gratifying and it's edgy and it leaves me feeling a little shaky. And so it's just really rich territory. And there's also feelings that come up around feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. And so that's a lie for me right now as we're sitting here. And you know, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm managing it, doing my best, but just feeling the fullness of the journey and the path and the vulnerability and the beauty of having support and how asking for support is is a huge practice just in and of itself. How about you, John? What's alive for you? I really resonate with what you're saying. That I think a lot about where do I get internal support, like support from within. Mm. But it's but it's I often forget how important it is to to find it externally as well, to find support in the world and to ask for it when you need it. So thank you for sharing that. Let's see. So I started last Monday, so it's been a week. I started a 21-day TV fast. I, I'm fond of television <laughs> because, I, because I really appreciate the art in it, the artistic vision that goes into it and that comes out of it. And so I love to, uh, to see stories play out in that medium because it's so well done often. And what I've noticed in the past week is that, well, one, I'm reading voraciously, which has been really good for me. And, and, and I, the other thing I noticed about the absence of TV is that how much TV for me was a, a way of tuning out or turning off my mind. And because one of the things that's been happening is I'm dreaming like crazy over the last week. I'm... I'm struggling with internal issues and things in my life like I haven't in a while. And so even though that feels <laughs> vulnerable and scary, it's also really rich for me. So I'm, I'm finding that there's things that I need to be working on that, that I haven't been. So. Great. You've got extra time. Now that you're not watching TV. The, the so evenings so. go much slower. Enjoy it while it lasts. 
All right. Well, it's my great pleasure to now introduce Tom Daly, Ph.D., someone who I've sat in circles with and done some coaching training with. Tom is a leadership trainer, a nationally recognized pioneering leader in men's soul work, a ritual artist and holistic healer. Tom has devoted his life to exploring and communicating the language of the heart and soul through exploring deep inner spaces. Since the mid-70s, Tom has devoted his life to awakening and supporting boys, men, and elders in their authenticity and wholeness. He is the founder of the Men's Leadership Alliance, the Inner King Training, the Living Arts Foundation, and Four Gateway Coaching based in Boulder, Colorado. Tom is also a father, a stepfather, and a grandfather. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for being with us. Thanks. This is a pleasure. I wanted to start by just bringing out a little bit of your story and maybe a couple of the seminal experiences that really got you to where you are today as as a leader in men's work and and so much more. Yeah. Well, the first thing that got me into this work was uh, being a single father. This was uh, way back in the 70s and I... My wife and I were divorcing, and I had custody of our son. And I went to a PTA meeting, and I was the only man there. <laughs> and I thought, what is wrong with this picture? I need support. And so I started through, there used to be a, an organization called the Denver Free School many, many years ago. And you could just create a class. And so I created a, a men's group. And uh, so that was back in the mid-70s. And I've been in men's groups uh, ever since that time. I've been in or leading men's groups since the mid-70s. So I really have been in this work um, all those years. And the more I did it, the more I realized this is so core to my mission on this planet that um, it just felt like every time I deepened into it and I had a new experience of being with men at this deep level that I was drawn into it more deeply. And so um, I I got a PhD in men's studies. I just felt like there was a need that I saw. And I'd say the other, the other main thing that uh, has motivated my men's work is that I had a really wonderful relationship with my grandfather. And I learned early on that you could receive a very deep blessing from an older man. And so I, there was a part of me that knew that was possible. Even though in junior high and high school and college, I didn't feel a lot of blessing from other men. The, you know, the typical, you know, life of a young man is having to deal with uh, that competition with other men. And... We don't have rites of passage um, that are very well accepted or understood in this culture. And in fact, you know, in the whole world, um, it's a very missing ingredient. And so, yeah, that's the more the older I get, the more I see that that work is needed, uh, even more so. 
Were you inspired by Robert Bly and Michael Mead and those guys? Oh, certainly. As a matter of fact, during my PhD program, I had them as mentors in my program, and I actually co-led some of the workshops with them. I learned an awful lot um, back in the early 90s uh, by, you know, hanging out with, with Robert and and uh, Michael and, you know, Robert Moore. Uh, they were all big influences. Uh, James Hillman was also a big influence. I was very into Jungian psychology at that point, and I just loved his work. And when he would show up at these conferences, I always felt the depth of... Uh, I mean, there was the depth of the ritual and the depth of the storytelling and the depth of the deep soul work uh, in Jungian psychology. And so all of those things were very uh, interesting to me. Yeah. This book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, I mm-hmm. actually dusted my mm-hmm. 20-year-old copy off <laughs> to <laughs> prepare for this interview. But And one of the things that I know that you do is you do a, a inner king training, right? And which is really fascinating and... I'd love to hear more about that and and what maybe what the inner king is. Yeah. Well, when we when you look at those four archetypes, modern men are really trained to use their minds, and so that would be the magician. They're really trained to do things in the world and make things happen. So that's the warrior. We get a little bit of training in the lover uh, quadrant from mostly women in our lives or the feeling the, the feeling, feeling quality yeah. but almost nobody gets any training in sovereignty mm. so what what we're talking about when we're talking about the king we're talking about that sense of knowing who you are and appreciating you who you are at this really really deep level and that's personal sovereignty so mm. when when I think of those four archetypes, I, I put them into four categories. Thinking, magician, doing, the warrior, feeling, the lover, and being or deep knowing is that inner king. I mean, uh, we, use the, we use the word sovereignty and inner king interchangeably. But sovereign is a more gender neutral word, so it can apply with yeah. women as well. Yeah. But most men in my experience, don't even know what they're missing. (laughs) Don't have a sense of what, if I say, how would you express your sovereignty? Big question mark. But what I know from my grandfather was, what it means to me is, I am blessed for who I am as a person. And I am worthy as a person, as a human being, regardless of anything that I do or think or feel. And so there's this unconditional quality of acceptance that comes in when you feel your sovereignty. And, you know, a great many men don't have any sense of that. And we don't initiate young boys at that level. And I think maybe that initiation actually does have to come a little later in life anyway. Because, you know, we have to initiate young men into right action. And being okay with all their feelings and using their mind in a good way and being protected instead of them just being jacked around by the internet you know so all those things have to happen as part of their basic training 
And once they get that, then they can start to step into their sovereignty because they have a sense of wholeness. But if your thinker is running the show, uh, it's going to be all over the place because you're getting stimulus from the outside all the time. And the part of us that is the thinker is always trying to mitigate against fear. And right. we the, live in a world of fear. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the thinker without mindfulness. Exactly. To, to tame it and control it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think of the, the seeking mind, I think of the mind you know, having these two kind of pendulum swings. One is the seeking mind and trying to get knowledge, trying to control situations where it feels out of control. And then the other part is pure awareness. It's the non-thinking mind. I mean, it's the non-seeking mind. It's the one that's just open attention. And we don't get much training in that either, of course. So all all these are steps in an initiation process to maturity. But we don't... We just don't give this to young men because as elders, uh, a lot of elders don't understand this either. They don't have the big picture. Um, Yeah. Elders as in just older folks. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of distrust of teens, of older generations. I mean, we can all probably remember times when we (laughs) were in that same thing. Well, I don't trust so-and-so, so-and-so, whoever it was. Yeah. Right, because well, because they, they think they know everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and well, that we know nothing. Yeah, that, I'm reflecting back on a time when I interacted with an older man who, yeah, who who said you you kids don't know anything. Yeah, and he was right, but I I didn't believe him. <laughs> right, of course, right. of course. Yeah. yeah, and that's the natural tendency of young men is to you know try out their own. When when they when you get to be about sixteen, you know, some start earlier, but sixteen to eighteen or so, you want to get out there and test out your own sovereignty. You want to, you know, for most kids in this culture, it's stepping out of high school, and then, you know, they get to college, and another world opens up, and then they, you know, if they graduate from school or get training in something else, then they go out and. Let's explore the world. Let's see what happens when I'm out here on my own. Well, they find out that they didn't know as much as they thought they did. Well, and that's also where drug abuse and driving recklessly and having reckless sex, all that comes into play there too, right? I think the, the one thing that I'm really, really clear on, and this is, I know you're interested in restorative uh, programs, and I personally feel like you could take almost anything that's going on out there in the world to inner city gangs, to racism, to ISIS in the Middle East, Africa, Central Africa. You could look at any place where there is violence and war and you will see that the young men are not initiated well. These are men that are being manipulated by some elder for their own purposes to gain personal power and without rites of passage into the wholeness of what a man is then you're always going to lead to a situation where you're just expressing power yeah they're not recognizing that they hold that that energy moves through them as well that's right that's right and so what happens is they're manipulated by 
maybe it's just a, a someone that's just a few years older than they are, and they're not even initiated into their manhood. You look at any kind of gang structure, um, the elders are probably 24, and they're initiating you know, these 18-year-olds or 16-year-olds or 12-year-olds, or if it's Central Africa, it's just bringing some young men into these camps, giving them an AK-47 and saying, now you're a man, I want you to go out and kill for us. So to me, I could say, I can easily say the biggest problem in the world is young men not being initiated. Young men have tremendous amount of energy, but it's not being channeled in a healthy way. And without healthy rites of passage, I don't believe we as a species are ever going to get to that place where we can manifest the good, the true, and the beautiful um, in the way that we all know in our imagination is possible, but we can't manifest it because there's so many men out there, so many young men that just are floundering, and they're afraid, and they're under the control of somebody else who's not initiated. So, yeah, the the whole thing just continues to cycle over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's that's why I'm in this business. I mean, <laughs> um, my business is to help initiate you know men at every different level. There's yeah. there's many many different levels. I mean, they have to get the child up to the level of the youth. <laughs> and the youth to the teen, and the teen to the young man, and the young man to the middle-aged man, and the middle-aged man to eldership. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's rites of passage that that are important at all the different stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the institutions we have is education system. Yep. So we have elementary school, middle school, high school, and throughout this, boys and girls are being raised by our society in a certain way. And so what's missing from that picture? Because it's it's institutionalized. Every kid in this country has to go to school. Sure. Why is it not being provided in that that structure? Well, the education system that we have now, that all started because we wanted to train young people to work in factories Mm. and to sit in chairs or sit... Uh, or work on assembly lines and be able to crank out products. So this whole society is built on that, the thinking and the doing. And, mm. you know, the arts have taken a back seat. Um, the feeling quality takes a back seat because it's all about commerce. It's all about money. When you get right down to it, um, you can also say, you know, money is the root of all evil. And it also does tremendous good. But if the motivation behind what you're doing is money and greed, uh, you're never going to have a healthy society. And schools are set up to create commerce mm-hmm. and, they're create, and to create young people that fit into the big commerce machine. So, yeah, fortunately, some of that is changing. I mean, there's a lot of um, schools, homeschooling and you know, charter schools and things like that that allow for more creativity. People are seeing Waldorf. that... Yeah, Waldorf schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Steiner schools. Yeah, I mean, he was a tremendous visionary. He saw that, you know, you could, you could actually educate people differently in mm-hmm. Montessori schools. You know, you could work at that, those more fundamental levels, and you could bring 
all the different qualities of a human being online instead of right. just the thinking and doing. Right. There was this idea about nurturing the soul. Absolutely. As it matures. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this what we're talking about here is soul work. And the soul doesn't thrive in conditions of panic or stress or forced labor or whatever. Um, the soul likes to run free. The soul moves at a much slower speed. The soul doesn't, doesn't work in the fast lane. You know? Right. You know, all these forces that pull us away from that more contemplative and more inner awareness is keeping us from being whole human beings. I mean, most, most boys, I mean, I'm going to keep talking about boys just because that's my field, but most boys are not taught to pay attention to what's going on inside. You have feelings? You better not bring those out because some other boy is going to exploit that and hurt you with it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's a lot of evidence that young men, I mean, boys, are more sensitive than little girls, you know, very early on. But you look at the research and boys are talked to less, boys are touched less, boys are commanded to do things less, boys are totally raised by women um, all through elementary school. There's so few men in the elementary schools anymore. And, you know, boys have this tremendous energy that we need to channel in a good way. But making a boy sit there behind a desk for years is not, to me, a healthy environment for for a boy. I used to teach junior high school and you know, I I could see it every day. Yeah. yeah. The boys would just be going nuts. Um, you know, they didn't want to sit there. They wanted to do things. So the classes that I ran were all open environments. Mm. You know, we would run experiments most of the time. So they could be doing things and they loved that. So how do we channel it? Well we channel it into sports, which is which is more the warrior doing quality again. And I'm not saying sports is bad, but Many of us have... It's not balanced. It's not balanced. Um, I mean, every pro, you know, most of the guys that I have known that have been athletes have had at least several really bad coaches that demean them and run them down. And, of course, there are really wonderful enlightened coaches out there that really pay attention. The most successful coaches, I think, are the ones that really pay attention to the, the feeling quality of the, the boys that they're working with. Yeah, so That's right. And work to enhance what what's happening in any of the boys that they're working with as opposed to right. just trying to win games. Yeah, or shape them to be, you know, a killer. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the training mm-hmm. that we have is, I mean, in competition is like you have to beat the other guy. This is not a win-win game. Tear his head off. Yeah. The effort coaches say in football. Well, yeah. if it doesn't come from the coach, it's going to come from the parents sitting behind the coach, right? <laughs> exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. John's had experience with this. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, sports. Yeah, and it passes down from one generation to the next, you know? I mean, if the, if the parent wasn't able to succeed in the way that he felt like he wanted to and he had a difficult situation with his father, well, he's going to pass that on. He's going to want his son to excel in ways maybe that he didn't. That's right. And that's, that's what, what I found when my oldest son started playing sports is that I had all of this unresolved work. I had done 
by, by this time I had done a lot of work mm -hmm. on myself and all of a sudden there was all this stuff coming up that I had no idea was there around my experiences with sports when I was a kid and having to really work with it mm -hmm. in, in a whole new way. And I mean, it was, it was a great opportunity for me because oh, sure. I, because I was able to do that. Right. But, uh, I don't know how well it worked out for my son. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a, here's the thing that always works. If a father does his own personal work, it makes his son's life a lot easier. You know, anytime Absolutely. an adult man can can do their own work, their own personal soul work, it just ripples down. You don't have to actually do or say anything to yeah. your son. Well, you're modeling. You're modeling. Exactly. What's really most important? Well, and you're making that <clears throat> coming back to the that king energy. You're making it available in the space, mm -hmm. and it's shared. Mm -hmm. It's not. That's right. It's not hoarded. It's That's right. it's available in the space, and it's shared. And not just the king energy, the being energy, but uh, the the all of the other energies as well. Sure. And having that available in the space as a parent with any of your children can be enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, to have that blessing energy, I mean, in particular, wow. I mean, how many of us in middle age and older never got yeah. an ounce of that from our fathers? Yeah. That's so huge. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of men that come into men's work have that father wound. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they were either, they feel disconnected from their fathers or sometimes competitive with their fathers. Um, there's there's all those scenarios, but usually, I mean, in it it takes some kind of motivation to get into doing soul work, and it often comes from failed relationships, or it comes from that disconnect from the father line. You just don't feel like you have any support behind you. So, I mean, a real king, he knows exactly where he comes from. He knows he can say, I'm the son of the son of the son of the son of the son, you know, and we have cut off uh, people's ancestry. Mm. I mean, most men maybe knew their uh, grandfather, but how many men could you say knew their great grandfather or knew who their great great grandfather was? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tom, mm -hmm. I really appreciate how you're, you're painting a picture of an ongoing process of maturity mm -hmm. with with initiation. Yeah. It's never too late. <laughs> yeah. Even as an elder. Exactly. It's ongoing. Yeah. Right? And that, yeah. I, I like talking about it in that context of maturity because it makes it real and it makes it, I'm searching for the word. Available. Well, and like time sensitive, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. like we, we need maturity right now. Absolutely. I mean, we are, the state of the world is such, and the trajectory that we're on is such that, you know, we're in a collective rite of passage. Exactly. And we better grow up soon, at least a critical mass of us. That's right. Or we're not going to survive. Yeah. Period. Yeah. When you see how much money is spent on the warrior quadrant in this culture, and you look at the military spending just absolutely dwarfing everything else in the federal budget, you know, by a power of 100 probably. I don't know the exact numbers, but you can find those numbers somewhere. When the development of an airplane costs $1.3 trillion, the, the new fighter jet that the military is developing for the services, 
1.3 trillion so far. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, we've got our priorities uh, in a place that promotes war. Yeah. Yeah. And if we would put that kind of money into uh, the Department of Peace, uh, just think what kind of a world this could be. Right. But we can't get there because... Yeah, or even if you made it another core, the Peace Corps, or yeah. like a real Peace Corps, yeah. and you gave them a sixth of the money. Oh, yeah. Some <laughs> tiny fraction. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're going to have a lower overhead in all likelihood. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean... Well, you're going to get more for your money. Too. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you, want, if you want to be rich, let's face it, uh, people make a lot of money doing war. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very, very lucrative. Mm -hmm. And we as a people have to just say, you know, this is not the way we want to go. But teaching that to young men, that, that this is, <laughs> we don't have to go that way, um, I, I'm feeling pretty good about the millennial generation. I'm feeling like they have some sense of, well, there's a cliff out there. Um, they, they were raised feeling this kind of urgency that you were just talking about, Scott. And they were just, they, they have that sense and they don't buy into it. And I think in this election cycle, we're seeing that the general electorate out there is really sick and tired of the, the government corporation confluence and they're just not buying it they're just saying we want something different this is <laughs> this is not okay with us you know we, yeah. we really do want a different way of being and for most people they don't know how to step into that sovereignty mm -hmm. you know so they they listen to somebody that sounds sovereign to them and which could be an angry activist absolutely yeah yeah yeah, it could take many, many different forms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because in some ways, Bernie Sanders is an angry activist, and Donald Trump is somebody who is looks like a king, looks like he is yeah. a sovereign. He's in charge of his world, right. you know. And so, people, but he's a shadow king. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, but people see that, you know, t speaking truth to other powers. And they're attracted to it, you know. The, yeah, that shadow that king certain... speaking truth to other shadow kings. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it takes a perspective to even, you know, you have to be able to step back to even see that. So, um, training young people in some kind of meditation practice, making sure that young men are in a healthy group led by healthy elders. Some of the most profound movies about father-son relationships or uh, healing in that regard are always about some father kind of wakes up to something that's going on and he helps sees what's going on with his son and there's some kind of loving connection that happens. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. a grandfather. Yeah, often. or a grandfather often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the purpose of grandfathers is to bless grandchildren. Mm -hmm. um, and I got that, and so that's where I feel really fortunate. I, I got it, and I know what that feels like. So I can say, you know, with all honesty to a lot of men, I, I know you don't know what I'm talking about because you never had a taste of it. But I can create a space in which you will get that. So I create these ritual spaces like the Inner King Training or the Men's Leadership Alliance Programs, or the Four Gateways Coaching Program, 
And they can come into a space and they can begin to feel that they are a whole person, they are worthy, no matter what they've done or, you know, whatever doubts they have, they still have a, an essential worthiness. And when you think about it, most religions are, are based on that, that God loves you. God brought you into the world, or whatever the name is for your higher power. Right, and we're all brothers and sisters in that same community. That's right. right. And nonviolence is the way to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and how many young people are trained in nonviolence? I mean, you could probably... I, I don't even know of any programs here in Boulder that train young people in nonviolence. So maybe you guys no. do. They teach about Martin Luther King Jr. in yeah. in kindergarten, yeah. and to everyone. Yeah. That I mean, that's that's something. Yeah, for sure. It's a start. Yeah, it's a start. Yeah, I mean, we do have Martin Luther King Day. I mean, that's great, yeah. but we have to use it. <laughs> yeah, and we have to not wait around for the next charismatic leader. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's the other that's the other important thing about sovereignty is you begin to feel like it really is up to you that you really do have an impact because that's that sense of inner being that you mentioned is being able to feel that we're all connected somehow and that what I do actually does have an impact and how I live my life actually does ripple out. Yeah. But it ripples out of mostly to your family and your friends. Right. I mean, there's not a lot I can do about the way the election process is going in this country. Right. But I can really, I really can influence, you know, my son and, you know, my daughter-in-law right. and my uh, my stepson and his wife. And, right. and there's the edges of the kingdom Absolutely. that you can have influence on as well. Absolutely. Right? Bringing peace to sure. the edges, right? Sure. Well, and if you get a start to get a sense of your sovereignty, then you can feel like, okay, I'm the sovereign of this little small realm here, and everything I do is going to impact that that realm. Yeah. And so then personal integrity becomes a real big issue. It's like, how am I living my life? I mean, how am I able to actually move into the world with some kind of sovereign grace? And wisdom. I mean, we have to use our minds, of course. But when that's connected with deep feeling and that deep knowing, then right action shows up when we're coming from that deeper place. If you're just operating from your warrior and you want to defeat somebody, it's just going to lead to more war. There's, it's a closed loop. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, doing isn't always the answer. It's, it's no. being and it's allowing the next move to arise on its own. Exactly. And if you're, you have to be able to sit in your sovereignty in order to, I mean, just think about it. Here's a, here's a kingdom. Do you want the warriors running the show in, I mean, just in your own imagination, just to think of it. You want the warriors running the show or do you want the king and the queen running the show? I mean, do you want the, the real sovereign energy to, to be flowing into that system? Or do you want drugs, sex, and rock and roll to run the show? Do you want the, that feeling energy to, to run it? Yeah. Or do you want the, the thinkers? You know, do you want the scientists or the, you know, the, the, the big thinkers to run the show? No, you want to put the right person in charge. You know? And most yeah. of us don't have that 
inner sense of who to put in charge of the system. Right. right. Well, it's funny because when we use the word king and we talk about sovereignty and all of this, it, it brings to mind, you know, like prejudicial kinds of perspectives on what that means in terms of like like a benevolent dictator or right. or something or where people don't have where the king is the only one who has any rights in this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But 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 that king energy that you're talking about is something completely different. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why I kind of I tend to use the word sovereign uh, more often. I mean, we call it the inner king training because since n- not many people know what sovereignty is, yeah. it's easier to say yeah. king and queen. You know, regather your queen energy, gather your king energy, and then once they get a sense of what that is, then they can see that it's it's this deep being place. It's not about. I mean, we have plenty of examples of tyrannical kings or you know false right. that's not what you're talking about that's right. not what I'm people, talking. people yeah. with yeah. a lot of power yeah. But, yeah. but no yeah. right. no level of morality yeah. in their development that's right yeah. and they don't have a connection to the heart so right. yeah they have to it has to be a place where you combine these these four qualities you know that we've been talking about the thinking feeling being and doing mm-hmm. you know i think of choking trump when he would give uh, instruction on meditation he would say sit on your cushion like you're a king sitting on a throne or a queen exactly and and sense into that sovereignty and feel into that and sit with that level of dignity because it's inherent in our in every one of us our being that's right and tom i'm wondering could you say something about how the king relates to the queen yeah from a male point of view we have we have that queen energy within us too so if we think of each of those four quadrants having both a uh, an assertive and a receptive quality in the sovereign we have that kind of giving the blessing out which is more kingly and then the queen is more this sense of deep peace like this earthiness this connection to a fullness of and the rightness of being in this interbeing that we've been talking about Whereas the, the king energy is a little more outgoing and, you know, it's more the, the yin and the yang, but it's on the same pendulum swing. And so how they relate to each other as perfect allies, they, they support the strength of each other and they work together to bless the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and so, cooperation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a collaborative, cooperative connection between the two, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, since you know all the things that we've been talking about, young young men and even middle aged and elder men, they're not used to being in that kind of partnership, collaborative mode. In the inner king training, we train men to develop that blessing circuit in themselves. So it's a muscle that can be developed. I mean, it's it takes practice. You know, we right. have to develop practices, and that's part of the reason that I think personally, I just think all men should be in men's groups, even if they're not skillfully led. You're still going to be with other men and hearing what other men are going through, and you're going to be sharing your stories, and you're not going to feel so isolated, and you're not going to be feeling like you have to compete with these guys. There's somehow you're connecting with, you know, their pain and their issues in their life and sharing their joys as well. And 
isolation is one of the worst things for for men. Most men are, you know, they have 1.2 friends. <laughs> and right. they depend is heavily. including Jack Daniels? <laughs> yeah, or, uh, yeah. yeah that, that point two <laughs> might be, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's uh, not just bad for for men individually, it's, oh. it's bad for society. Right. It's bad for relationships, um, mm. you know, and that ripples down to the children, and then they pick up that vibe, and off we go. Again, coming back to this, interesting to bring this back around, because the vibe that we um, create as parents in the household, mm-hmm. how impactful that is to kids. We were talking about the positive vibe earlier, and how that's really all we need to do, but this negative vibe has is just as powerful. It's huge. Well, in fact, in some ways it's more powerful because it gets reinforced by the culture. So, um, you know, if you live in a neighborhood where there there isn't much presence of healthy father, then, you know, uh, you're going to feel very uncomfortable. You're going to feel a lot of fear. And boys have to make this break from their mothers. But... If their mother is their total support system and they don't have a healthy father uh, lineage, they're going to feel anxious all the time. And they're going to want to try and prove what a man they are by separating themselves and making themselves as opposite from their mother as they can. Because it's like, no, I don't want to be like that. Well, even if their mother was a super compassionate, wonderful mother and and a lot of, you know, the vast majority of mothers, I think, really are. Where does the guy go? I can't <clears throat> model myself after her, and I don't have any healthy model of a, a man that I can say, yeah, I want to be like him, you know? Yeah, it seems like a recipe for feeling very lost. Yeah, exactly. And lonely and exactly. desperate. And, sure. And our society yeah. feeds on that. Mm-hmm. When people are anxious and fearful, they're pretty much targets for manipulation and selling them products <laughs> that they think couldn't help with whatever they're lacking. And the truth is, nobody's lacking anything. Um, Ultimately. Yeah. But we have this we have this notion that we're somehow flawed, and that's, that's how sovereignty kicks in. So one of the things I want to thank you for is answering that uh, um, how do we end war question without mm-hmm. us ever having to ask it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just I feel so um, I feel blessed mm. having been here with you mm. um, for this time and, and yes, speaking to you, and it's really a good place I think to to wrap this up. Okay, so yeah. thank you yeah, so thank much. Thank you guys. I'm so glad you're doing this. I mean, I really appreciate what you're doing because um, having an opportunity for people to even see that it's possible to remember our interbeing and remember that you know no matter what the wounds are there is reconciliation there is possibilities for coming together no matter how bad things have gotten there still can be healing yeah well said yeah thank you tom this has been great and thanks for listening to another episode of restoration dialogues until next time keep it human